Today we'll uh, have a review, we'll do a review of Lakut Sikhas, Chelik Yud Gimel, and this is the first Sikha for the Parsha of Bolok. Now, uh, in the uh, portion of Bolok, we see that um, uh, Bolok tried uh, to get uh, Bilam to curse the Bnei Yisrael after two failed attempts. So the Pasik in the Perik of Dalet, uh, Bilam saw that um, Hashem favors uh, blessing them. So he tried something else, as Rashi says, Likras uh, Nechoshim. He said he will try to mention, recount their sins, and the curse will follow by itself automatically. So then the Pasik says, uh, after intending to curse them, So when Bilam saw the camps of the tribes of Israel, seeing that each tribe is on its own, seeing that their doors are not facing each other, so nobody peeks into the other one's house, so he changes his mind now. Now he's not going to curse them. So he starts off his uh, parable, his beginning of his uh, prophecy, and then he says, after saying a few verses about himself, Pasuk Hay says, How good are your tents and your dwelling places uh, Yaakov and Israel, how how good they are, as we're going to learn now in the in the Rashi. In this sicha, the Rebbe is going to take apart the Rashi and is going to uh, bring out. Uh, the Rashi has two commentaries, two interpretations. Why do we need two interpretation? Each one of the interpretation is also uh, taken apart and shown why. We need them, and what the difficulties, and the, exactly the meaning of them, and, um, and the Rebbe is going to take the theme of the parsha to really explain to you what Rashi is saying over here. Without this explanation, there's a lot of difficulties. It's a pile up of difficulties. But when you put it in with the Rebbe's brilliance to uh, place it in the perspective of this whole parsha and what took place before, which is one of the uh, system that you see uh, uh, going through many of the Rebbe's talks is to explain that the Rashi, not as an isolated standalone for this Pusik, but rather as a follow-up and part of the uh, whole story that precedes it and how it fits in with the other Rashi comments that Rashi has made uh, before. And also, the Rebbe will learn a very important lesson about sneas, about modesty, that even small aspects are important, and small aspects of modesty can play, can can uh, bring around big changes in in big areas. So that's how important it is, as we will see in the initial Torah towards the end of the sicha. But for now, let's look go to the sicha inside, and let's learn the Ois uh, Aleph. Uh, Al haposik on the verse Ma Toivu Oihalecha Yaakov Mishkinai Secha Yisrael. So how good 
we're talking about Yaakov's tents, and how good are Yaakov's dwelling places. Mishkan is a place where you live. But we will see what Rashi explains on these two meaning, what is the meaning of a tent, and what is the meaning of a Mishkan. So Peter Rashi, so Rashi explains, how good is your uh, tents? What was he referring to? What is the goodness of the tents? He saw the doors of the uh, Jewish people as they camped in the desert. They weren't directed one opposite the other. Uh, They can't look in. So he was sort of astounded. He was impressed how good the tents. And then he's also saying, Mishkinoi Secha. Now, Mishkan usually would mean a dwelling place also, a Mishkan where a person rests, uh, where a person lives. But here Rashi says something differently. Rashi says, Mishkan Yisecha means Chani Yosecha, your encampments. He was saying how beautiful the encampments of Israel are. What exactly did it mean? Why does Rashi change from the simple? That's going to be all part of the discussion. But this is Rashi itself. So, he says that in this case, Mishkinu Yusecha means Chanu Yusecha, your encampments. And he says, Kitargumai. This is actually the translation of Mishkinu Yusecha in the Targum. The Targum uncle is over here, uh, interprets it as Chanu Yusecha, the encampments. The Rashi says, Dobarachar. He gives you another interpretation. And Rashi again requotes the verse of Matoivo Eholecha. Uh, and again, this will also be an issue the Rebbe will bring out. Why does he have to requote it? But anyways, Rashi requotes and says, "Ma toivu Another interpretation: What is the oyehalecha referring to? How good are your tents? These tents are referring to ma toivu oyehel shilo, the tent in Shilo. Uh, while they were in Shilo before they came to Yerushalayim on the journey to Yerushalayim, so the the, the, the Mikdash in Shiloh was a tent, it was not a structure, uh, structure. the structure came with the base Elamim, with the eternal home, so, but over here, uh, in the Oyhalecha, we're including both, as the Rebbe again will explain later on, that this is the Ohel of Shiloh, and also the base Oyhalemim the eternal home, the Beis Hamikdash. So, Oyhalecha, when we're saying, that is referring to B'Yishuvan, when they are settled, meaning before they were destroyed, how great were this Oyhel, the Mishkan Shiloi, and the Beis Hamikdash, the Beis Lami, before they were destroyed. Uh, what's so good about them? Because you can offer in them, in the Beisei Lomim, and in Shiloh, you can bring Korbonis to atone for you. Now, what is the meaning then, Mishkinoi Secho? So we hear the word Mishkinoi Secho is the time when the Beisei Mikdash is destroyed, it has been taken as a collateral from the Jewish people. So Rashi says, Mishkinoi Secho means Av Kishahein Charevin, even at the time that the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed, 
then to matoivu mishkenei secha. Why? Lifishen mashkin alechem. Because they are a collateral for you. In other words, a person takes a collateral instead of the debt. So basically, the Mishkan was destroyed and was taken, Mishkan Secho, and Vukhurbanon Kapora. It was taken as a Kapora. The destruction provides atonement, Alhanafashis, for the souls, which means technically. The Yidden were supposed to die, but instead of the Yidden dying, the Eberster took the base Hamigdosh, the base Elamim, the Shiloi, as a collateral, and it atoned for the souls. Who says so? How do we see this? Shenemar, he quotes from the Pasik, it says, Kolo in Echo, that it says, Hashem, Kola Hashem is Hamosei, Hashem finished his anger, basically, he let out his anger and completed. He's no longer ang- angry. How did he finish his anger? Uba mekolo. What did he do with what? How did he finish his anger? By yatzes eish bitzion. He put up a fire in Zion in Yerushalayim. So basically, the destruction of the base of Migdosh brought about that Hashem is no longer angry. So that means that it's a kapora the nefoshes. That is matoivu. How great. So while they're in existence, they protect for the nefoshes, and even when they're destroyed, when they're a mashkin, the mashkin protects the uh, nefoshes. Okay, so this is what the Rashi says. Frank the Rebbe now, many questions. Actually, uh, the Rebbe brings out over here nine questions in total. So the Rebbe said like this, Aleph, Number one, Bipirushay, in his first comment, Shemishkenei Secho, Hainu Chaniyoi Secho, that the Mishkenei Secho means, the Oihel means the tent, the way they were living. And Mishkenei Secho doesn't mean the living place, but it means the encampment. Hainu Chaniyoi Secho. Why Lomale Pirish Mishkenei Secho Kipshutei? Why does Rashi not interpret your dwelling place, just like the Oihel is a tent in which they live, it's a duplicate Loshan sort of Mishkin Secha. In literally, Loshan Rabim Shel Mishkan. That would be a plural for Mishkan. Mishkin Secha, your dwelling places. Uh, versus explaining your encampments. So, we don't find in the Torah, if we want to translate the encampment, we don't find ever the Torah using in a singular, a Mishkan, an encampment as Chanus. But we find Ki'im our plural encampments. So, why does Rashi have to uh, translate here Mishkan uh, as encampment versus a place where they lived? How good is your living places? Now, how good is your encampments? This last detail over here, Bifrat, needs still some clarification. We'll go on. Uh, second question, base. 
Meloshen HaKosuv Muchach, from the language of the Posik, it's evident. So what does it say? It says, Matoivu, how good are your tents and how good are your encampment? What's so good about the encampment over here? From the language of the Posik, it's evident, Shematoivu, Nimshach Gam, it also extends, it applies to the Mishkan Yisrael. How good are your tents and how good are your Mishkan Yisrael? Uk'ilu Nemar, as if it says, Matoivu Mishkan Yisrael. How good are your Mishkan Yisrael? So so the question is, So what is this good, the special good in the encampment of the Bnei Yisrael that Bilam is referring to? We know, there he tells you, Rashi explains to you, but Rashi doesn't explain to you what the Mishkan Yisrael is, what is the goodness of their encampment? Number three, Gimel. It's known, the rule, in Rashi's commentary on the Torah. As we had spoken many times. That when he brings two or more commentaries on one aspect, it is because in each one of these comments there is a difficulty, which is not in the other ones, which means one has a difficulty, we bring the second, the second interpretation has a difficulty, that's why we bring the first one. So the question is, So what are the questions in our case? Number four, in the second commentary, Rashi requotes the words Matoiva Alecha. Why is that what doesn't seem necessary? He doesn't say as he does all places, Bikitzer. In short, without repeating the Matoiva Alecha, should have said should have gone straight to his commentary that the Toivo Oil refers to the Shiloi while it's existent, Mishkan while it's taken from us. Number five, hey, when he says how good the oil is in this second commentary, what is he referring to? Which is the oil? So Rashi is moine shiloi ubei He says how good is the shiloi, Mishkan, and the eternal home. What about the oil moyed? oil moyed. Why does it say matoivu? Oil the oil moyed that they were right presently. Emphasis at the time that he blessed them, there was the oil. So why would he be talking about the oil of the future versus talking about the oil that is now? The Rebbe will explain that this is all a prophecy which has been talking about. Uh, the future, which is one of the reasons for the second interpretation, as we will see. So what does Rashi explain? What is the good that takes place in Shiloi and in the eternal home? So Rashi explains, That's in existence. Why is that the good of the 
Oihel the Shiloi and the Mish and the Beis Elomim that you bring Korbanos Makrim Bem Korbanos. For the Chayra Havelaylemeimer, Rashi should have said Hatoyva Ikri the main good. What's the main good in the Shiloi and the Beis Elomim? Apipshutish Mikra Koponim. Minimally, according to this literal pshat, would be Kivishim Befurish Mikra. The pasuk says, "V'osuli migdosh v'shachanti b'seicham." Make for me a sanctuary, and I'll dwell within you. Hainu sheimekoymus la'shiros ha'shchina, but they are places of resting of the shchina. That's the main thing. And the Rebbe Nahara goes through because the Rebbe has devoted uh, several sichas on the idea, according to the Rambam, what's the main machlokes Rambam and Ramban. The Rebbe deals with it, mentions it in the Nahara over here. But at least in the simple meaning of the Pasik, that's what a Mishkan is, a place where the divine is resting, why does Rashi bring down Makriv and Behem Korbanas? Number seven. Okay, so Rashi's details over here. Now, what do the Korbanas accomplish? They atone for you. What's that important? Man What is it connected over here to understanding the meaning of the Pasuk of that the Korbanes come to atone for you. And then we continue and then when the destruction shall when the oil is destroyed and now it's a mashkin that it's an atonement for souls. Why is that important to, to, to uh, the whole idea of what the Karbonas accomplish? Well, the Idoch, so, and on the other hand, if for some reason, the Mishkon, if to understand the idea that the Mishkon, that it's a collateral and it atones for the souls, because the Korban is hinted in Mishkon, which is a collateral, it's Nochutz Ladas. It's important to know that the uh, destruction is an atonement for the souls. If that's important to explain the idea of Mishkan, of a collateral of the destruction, Mishkan, so why is this idea, this concept, not mentioned in the Rashi's commentary at the beginning of Pikudai? There are two Rashi says. The Pasik says, Hey, Lepkudah, Mishkon, Mishkon. So the Rashi makes a note over there. Mishkon, Mishkon, Shnei Pa'amim. It says two times. Hey, Lepkudah, Mishkon, Mishkon, Haidus. Why Mishkon, Mishkon? Could have said, Hey, Lepkudah, Mishkon, Haidus. Why Mishkon, Mishkon? Shnei Pa'amim, Remez, Lemigdosh, and Ismashkin, Mishnei Chorbanim. This is a hint to the Mishkon that has been collateralized. And the two destructions of the base of Mikdash, Allah and Yisrael, shall Yisrael for the sins of the Yid. So, why is this important? And if it's important, why doesn't it say it over there? And what is it actually the meaning? Ches, the uh, What does it mean to atone for the souls? It's a It's an unusual language. Uh, this language, kapara is a kapara, but not on the foshes. Number nine, So since we have to say there's some emphasis, there's some special idea, that's why we use this language, so how does this give evidence from the verse to that special, what you're trying to teach us, 
it says, Kol Hashem Eschamosei, Hashem concluded his anger, and that's the evidence, Shechurbonon Kaboran Nefoshes, that that destruction is an atonement for souls. So how does that all connect? Okay. So the Rebbe says, in his base, Habir recalls that. We'll put it into context that we'll see that what um, what changed over here was an expression of Bilam, as we mentioned in the beginning of the of the shear, that Bilam was sort of ma What did he see there? Rashi brought down that he saw that all the tribes were sitting separate. In addition, we learn out that within each tribe itself, they were sitting in a ways that the doors didn't face each other. These are the two points that he saw that are expressed in Ma Wow, how good are your tents, Mishkanei How good is your encampment? Let's see inside. As an introduction to how good, etc. <coughs> the pasuk says, "Vayiso bilom es einov bilom raised his eyes, vayar es Yisrael shoichin l'shvatov, and he saw Israel was resting encamped to the tribes." Pirush Rashi. What does Rashi explain over there? Shoichin l'shvatov. What does it mean that they were camping to their tribes? Ro'o kol shevet v'shevet shoichin la'atzmei. He saw that each tribe and tribe were camping by themselves, weren't mixing with one another. They weren't mixed in. Number two, Rashi says over there, what he saw when he says Sheikh Lishvatov. He saw that their doors were not directly one opposite the other. So that he should not peek into the tent of his friend. Why does Rashi, where does Rashi get these two uh, comments on the Pasuk Shoichin L'Shvatot? So the Rebbe explains, What does Rashi uh, learn out that he must explain this way? Is Pashtus Loshin HaKosuf, is the simple language of the verse, when it says, Vayar es Yisroel Shoichin L'Shvatot, that he saw the Yisrael, that they were encamped to their tribes, mashma, it's understood from this, Shiro Chidush, he saw a novelty. He saw a hanhogom yuchedes, a special conduct, v'toyve b'yoyser, something very good. Sharizriya zugormo, for this seeing, what he saw this, caused levatihi olov ruach alikim. So upon him rested the spirit of God, of godliness, so he can prophesize. Rashi, Rashi says, what does it mean that it rested upon him, Ruch HaLikim? Now it entered his mind that he wasn't going to curse them. So previously he had intended to curse them, but seeing them, something very powerful occurred, was seen by Bilam, changed it around, and he doesn't want to curse them anymore. And this conduct that he saw was, appeared 
in the way he saw how they were encamped for their tribes, he says, I'm not going to curse them. This is something great about them. That's why Rashi explains, He saw that each tribe and tribe was resting by themselves. The tribes did not mix. What does that show when they don't mix? Shazem Moira, this point Shahoyu Nizhorim Bayoisir Bainyan Hayuchasin. They were very careful, extremely careful in this matter of their lineage. They wanted to make sure. In other words, the wives of a tribe stuck to that tribe. They didn't have anything to do with any of the other men of the other tribes. So when they had a baby, we knew that that baby is from that tribe. How did they make their lenience for each tribe and tribe to know who belongs where? It was as Rashi articulates they brought the books, their certificates of their lineage the witnesses who established their birth, etc. So that means this points to their wondrous Mila in the measure of Tznius that they didn't mix with anybody else. So we knew that this is the child of their husband from their tribe. Since Bilam saw this advantage, it impacted him very much. That caused him in his heart that he's not going to curse them. So that would seem to prove only one part of it. The shoichen lishvotov, the shoichen that they camps, that the tribes were not mixing with each other, but each one was separate. But according to this, Rashi brings down another thing. In addition to that, they were each tribe separately, that their tent doors weren't facing each other. Because Rashi learns that, because if it only means the first thing, that the tribes were separately, the Pasuk should have said, He saw the Jews were camped to tribes, by tribes, each tribe separately. The Mashma, that would have the understanding that the tribes were not mixed together. But the Posik emphasizes to tell us to his tribes, which means within the tribe itself there was a special advantage. This is evidence, this is proof. He saw something additional. Which expresses itself by saying to its tribes, to his tribes. That is within each tribe and tribe by themselves. You can see that this is a Shevet Yisrael. Not just because all the tribes are separate, 
but within each tribe. What was that specialty that each tribe you can see that Shoichin as Yisrael, he saw this Yisrael Shoichin So Rashi explains, Farish Rashi, Shagam Rosh Ein Pischeihem Mukovonim In addition, he also saw that their doors are not uh, directed one opposite the other. So that you shouldn't look into the tent of his friend. Understood. Seeing this additional Maila, this brought cause that it should enter his heart of Bilam not to curse them. So basically, what the Rebbe did over here, he explained that Bilam saw two things. He saw their encampment, and then he saw within their tents the way within the tribes itself. Following this, the Rebbe is going to explain now comes the Pasuk of Matoivu Lecha Yaakov Mishkenesacha Yisrael, the encampments and the tent. Gimel. Masim Lagdoma. Fitting to this introduction, Mevai Rashi Hemshech HaKsuvim Rashi explains, according to this introduction of the Pasuk, and the way he explains it, the flow of the Pesukim, the verses, Shek Shabo Bilom Acharei Kein Ledaber Toival Yisrael, when Bilom came afterwards to speak good about the Yidden, Humefarish, then he uh, says, Lachar Apsicha, he gives the introduction, Noum Bilom Bnoi Baoir, the Goimer Gluinoim, in which he uh, praises, speak Bilom. Uh, son of Boir, or Boir is a son of Boir. Rashi explains that they're very different, but Gilu Yenayim, uh, he's able to see things. So then he starts with his actual words. And he says, this is Hatam Lomo Einom Mekalom. The reason why he is not cursing them. He came was set out to curse them, and now he changed his mind. So he starts off by saying why he's not cursing them. Because, and based on the two uh, advantages that we mentioned earlier. First, how their tents of Yaakov are. The way that these tents of the Bnei Yisrael are standing. And number two, Mishkenisecha Yisrael, Oifan Chaniyas Hashvatim, how the Shvatim are encamped. So this answers the question the Rebbe says, why did he choose to explain Mishkenisecha? It follows the uh, reasoning why uh, he changed his mind was because of Vayar Yisrael Shechem Shvatim. That's the Mishkenisecha. And that's why also Velachen Omar. Sarah starts off with the words Ma Toivo, how good Mikra, when you just read it in the verse literally it's not that Bilam was blessing them this is actually Bilam's excuse why he changed his mind but that itself is not the blessing this is not words of prophecy this is a expression of his 
being impressed, overly impressed, minyonim toivim from good matters. That is the reason, that gives a reason how come he's not cursing them. And the contrary, he speaks in their praise and he blesses them. So that's why Rashi explains. For he saw their openings, their doors, that they weren't directed one opposite the other. And Mishkin is the Secha, the encampment. Not as usual, we would say it as a dwelling place, a place you live, which is Hamayla Hashniya Hamal. This is talking about, the Rebbe says, what kind of advantage is Chanu Yisecha? That's the second advantage that we just talked about. The way they kept that each tribe and tribe was sitting by themselves. That's the advantage. That's the Chaniyah. This fits also what the Pasek has said earlier. It says that the Bnei Yisrael camped, each one was in their camp. So, Rashi has to say this to fit in with the whole idea that the encampment was done in a beautiful way, that the tribes did not mix. But since it's a non-common uh, interpretation of the word Mishkan, which would mean dwelling places instead of place where they camped, that's why Rashi adds evidence to his commentary, Kitar Gumoi, as the Targum translates, Targum Farish came. This is the way the Targum translates. The Targum's translation of Mishkanish Secho is based Misherecho, which means the area where you rest, that is the translation of encampment, the Kol Mokoim everywhere, is Meisherecho. And therefore, Rashi brings that as evidence to the uh, commentary that Mishkan Yisecha means Chanu Yisecha. So, that commentary would be okay, and the Rebbe is explaining now why we need this second interpretation. There is several problems with this commentary, and because of that, Rashi brings a uh, second interpretation. What is the problems with this first commentary? Aleph, <laughs> the first problem is We don't find any support, any friend, a similar translation in the, in the Torah that the word Mishkon would mean Encampment. Kinal has mentioned earlier, Mishkan means dwelling place. Base number two, Chaniyas Hashvotim, the way we had before, Lishvotim first comes, the general idea is the Klal, that the tribes all didn't mix. That's the more most important. And it's also took place first, the Gam Koydem Bizman. It's also first. First you set up the tribes and then you set up the tents. Then comes the detail, 
the encampment of the tents of each tribe. So the it seems out of order. and meaning the tents and mishkanesecha meaning the tribes the way they rest. So the pasuk should have first said mishkanesecha before loyholecha before saying loyholecha should be matoyvu mishkanesecha and then say loyholecha. Actually, if you see in the Rashi itself, this is also the reason. Rashi says, Rashi first place is mainly, when Rashi first explains, that every tribe and tribe rested by themselves, not mixed. And then Rashi adds, he saw that their doors are not open to each other. So you see, in order of importance and water, the main, the main aspect was uh, the uh, uh the fact that they're encampment. So why does the Pasuk switch the order? That's another problem in this Rashi's Pirish. And number three, Gimel. And uh, Number three is a very similar question, but over here, the Rebbe over there, we're talking about the Mishkoi Neisecha Noyolecha, which comes first. But over here, what it should be next to the word Matoivu. Matoivu is the real goodness. So the real goodness is not the Oyolecha, it's Mishkoi Neisecha. So why is the word Matoivu put next to the Mishkoi Neisecha? Gimel. Zeshakol Shevet V'Shevet Shechem La'atzmoi Ve'enamurovim. This part that every tribe and tribe is rest by itself and they're not mixed. That's the main idea of Bilam's expressed his awe. Because that is something which is important to establish the birth of each one and one. And that advantage is much greater, a lot greater. On the conduct in such a way, the second advantage that their doors weren't directed one next to each other. That only came to prevent not to look into the tent of his friend. So, also for this reason, because of they should have been the order in this post the other way around. Yisrael. So it should be, and then And then Yaakov. For although the Matoivu goes on both, as I mentioned before, it's Nimshech both them because them is Taber. Still, it's logical that the the detail this, the, 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 that is next to the words Matoivu, who Atev Yosef is the better one. And here we know that the real better one was what? Was the Mishkan uh, Because that was used to establish their lineage. And number four, Apizer Matoivu Goimer. According to this, this Matoivu 
That's the fourth problem. It doesn't have a prophecy in it. It's just an expression of impress, being impressed or awe. But there's no prophecy here. And the verse, Vimkain, so then that should have been said, before the verse, the verse starts off with the seemingly the verse of prophecy. Matoivu follows the opening of the Um Shemei Imrei. Let him speak to one who hears the words, the saying of Hashem. He's going to say a prophecy. And then he starts with Matoivu. We should have first said Matoivu, what he was impressed with. And then he should say, oh, because of that, I am the Um telling him the prophecy. The Rebbe says this fourth question, the parenthesis, Yeshloimar can say it's not you want to squeeze the I think what the Rebbe means here is he wants to conclude his whole because he starts off like this, he would have said and uh, and he's going to interrupt and he's going to say uh, he wants to first finish up all about himself uh, bilom, and, and, uh, and then he'll go to what impressed him versus interrupting and starting to talk about what brought him to change his mind I think that's what the Rebbe means over here in this parenthesis but in any event we have four problems with this pshat so that's why Rashi brings a second commentary. So the second interpretation is telling you that this is actually a prophecy for the future. Because one of the issues the Rebbe has is that it's not a... Uh, doesn't seem like to be uh, some prophecy... Since it follows the Neum HaGever, Neum Shemei Imrek Kale, so it's more likely that's the fourth problem we had on the Rashi. So Rashi wants to tell you, no, this is a prophecy. And automatically, since we're talking about a prophecy for Laosid, that answers already the question why he didn't say the Oyel Moyed. The Oyel Moyed is not a prophecy. That's right here. Uh, so therefore, we're talking about a prophecy for the future, not uh, the oil moid which is present. What is he saying? What is the goodness of the oil shiloi and the internal home, the Beis Amigdosh, when they are settled? Because it's self-understood, simply, that there is a special goodness in the Mesa Mikdash. The Torah uses Loshan oil. So it has to be the oil Shiloi. That's the prophecy for an oil. So that was in Shiloi. But it says, so So then that is evidence, that's how come we can explain the oil that is talking about a bias, because here the Rebbe actually answers more questions which were 
not Rebbe didn't specify a question to, but when one reads the Rashi, you don't understand how does the Beis Salomim have to do with oil? But the Rebbe says, because it says, Zoyhalecho, so there's a Lashon Rabbim, so Muchach, it's evident, another item which in meaning, in contents, it's also a Mikdosh, and it's similar to oil shiloi. It's not an actual oil, but it functions as the oil shiloi behind the base lomim, and that's the base lomim. And then further, when it says Mishkin Yisrael, we're also talking about So the same, the same oil lecha Mishkin we're talking about the Yosh Beislam, Elosha Nidun who bizman Khurbanan. But we're dealing at the time that they were destroyed. That's why we're describing them as a mashkin. So the Posik is talking about the prophecy of Oyel Shiloh in Baisalam as their settle, Oyel, and then Mishkan Isakha as they were destroyed. And now the Rebbe is going to explain why Rashi chooses this idea of the uh, Beis Elamim and Shiloi, that they are Kapora. What's going on over here? And the Rebbe explains, since Bilam wanted to curse them because he said he'll mention their sins and the curse will come on its own, to counter that, Bilam is sort of explaining what changed his mind was that there is no sins there, there is a kapara, there is atonement. That's the part of the Mishkan which counters and brings about the change of, of heart to bring about the blessings is ma'atoivu. Even though this is part of the prophecy, but in the part of the prophecy, according to the second pshat, there is also a, uh, an allusion to the uh, reasoning what he changed. Let's look inside. Even though it's self-understood, the good in oil whether they're in existence or whether they're destroyed, they're still they're still a collateral. So we don't need any explanation. Uh, just to explain what the goodness is. That would be... But there's a special reason why Rashi feels it necessary to explain and to bring us what exactly this goodness is. Earlier it was explained. This verse that starts over the word Ma, How good? This is sort of a giving a reason. Why isn't cursing them? So therefore, we have to say, in this context, even though this was used in the first commentary as a reason, but even in the second commentary, it still says ma. In a way of ma, we have to say that the same thing is true for this second commentary. That the good that Bilam intended by Miras Inyan Zev when he brought this prophecy, Ugam Tam Lomei Makalum, 
it also has a reason why he's not cursing them. Yes, it's great. I only the Mishkan there. Okay, but there is a special ma. Rashi says their specialty is that they bring korbanos to atone for you. The gam and also the destruction is an atonement for the souls. Vabir, the explanation. the preparation of bilom. And what was the beginning of this whole entire uh, thing, uh, this particular third time when Bilam is attempting to curse the Bnei Yisrael? He didn't know like he did in the past two times that he was trying to guess when he would find an opportunity to curse them. Peter Shrashi, Shrashi explained, what did he do? Ask it, Rabbi Nisayim, I'm going to mention their sins. So then the curse, because I mentioned their sins, is going to rest on its own. Therefore, later on, when he blesses them, so he was forced to explain that the curse cannot, it's impossible for the curse to rest because he mentioned the sin. So somehow he can't mention the sin, it's not going to help. So he's explaining when he says, What does it mean? What is the advantage of not the general thing of the Beis Hamikdash or the din of a mashkin, but as she says, to atone for you. Their sins are atoned. So it, there's nothing to mention sins because they're atoned for. Um, but the sins are atoned for. When? When there's a base Hamikdash. And only for some stuff. But what happens when there is no base Hamikdash? What happens about the more serious? Rashi says, Mashkin, they're always in the fushes. Let's look inside. That's not sufficient because number one, Aleph, this only would apply in the time of the Besamikdash is Kayim when there is Korbonis Lachapra Lechem. And Beza number two, Gam Oz, even at that time, Harakarbonis Machaprim Rakala Shegik, Bisurkoris. Only atone for when you do an accident. You can't bring a Korban for a Mezid. Uh, and if there is an Isurkoris, so then you bring a Korban. If intentional, then it's only if it's a Yisrael or various prohibitions. When you come to such a serious offense, when you did it intentional, and you violated a prohibition which carries the sin of Kodesh or death penalty by Bezdin, the Kabbonis don't atone. So, Bilam could still succeed maybe the curse will fall on these sins that's what Rashi adds they atone for the nefoshes what is this special the Rebbe asked before an unusual language nefoshes this fits the Rebbe brings down the Pirushi Rashi said before when he was 
uh, talking about the Koirach, he says, Hachatoyim Rashi explains those sinners with their souls. They have become sinners with their souls. That they argued on Hashem. So that's why they're called, the Machlokis of Koirach is called Nechleku Benafshoisom. Tachlis Hapshia. We're talking about the total guilt, doing it deliberately. So this is one in of Benafshoisom. Even these great, this serious, severe offense. Ken Yeshleimer Shekavanosi. Akopanim Ramez, maybe we can say also that he's intending to hint. Kapore al Hanefoshes. Uh, from the Posig Menefesh Kisechta Bishgogo, Ba'adash and Nefesh Tasibi Adroma Goimer. Over there, it starts off a soul that does by accident. It goes on to a soul that does it intentionally. Nefesh is meaning even the intentionally, even the mazit. It's important to Rashi. So that way, uh, Bilam says, I can't curse them. Can't mention their sin because their sin are atoned even the most of the serious of offenses. Or maybe Raya and Raya brings evidence that the destruction is an atonement for the soul. God has completed, let out all of his anger. To say, when Hashem put the fire in Tzien, Churban, Beis HaMikdosh, the destruction, Beis HaMikdosh, Kol Sachamosei, then his anger has been finished, gone, Shalak HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shehu Beklalam in Nesem Shal Yisrael, Hashem's anger is because of the sin of the Yidin, and it's no longer there, how could that be? Hareshen is Kapru, so must say they have been atoned for, they are Churban, Kol HaVainis, all the sins, Gam HaChichamuris, and also the very serious, serious ones, and also in the past have been forgotten. So after the Khurban means it's not only those present, that means even the sins that Bilam is trying to mention now have also been forgiven for. If, that, if they remain, so then Hashem's anger still remains of these sins, must mean that the Khurban. It atones for everything of the past. We're moving up, he's there. And according to this, we also understand, in order to emphasize, that these words of Bilam, these are an introduction, they're a reason. Why it's impossible to close the rest. And this forces us to explain it means there's something changed. we have to say that the toiv it's with this that you bring the carbonis to atone it also atones for the, it atones for the souls for all the serious for the nefesh, for the chatoim ben afshes, and the Rebbe brought down before. Apizeh move on gamkein. Based on this, you also understood sheimochkoim lichtev inyan zeh be parshas pekudei. 
that this idea, there's no reason to write this, the Mishkan that is Mechaper in Parshas Pekudei, there's no place. Kakosuf Shombo Rak Leramis Lebeis Hamigdosh Kiinu Mifnei Atzma. Over there, the pasuk is just coming to hint the two Beis Hamigdosh as a matter by itself. We're not talking about uh, atonement, about Bilom, about retraction, about the change. Over there, it's not important. Doesn't connect there to explain. What is their advantage of Chulu? As opposed to over here, as mentioned earlier. In Ois Hay, the Rebbe will explain what the problems are with the second Pshat, and that's why Rashi brings the first Pshat also, and actually the first Pshat is better than the second Pshat because the difficulties that are on the first shot are not as difficult as the difficulties on the second shot so that's the first and this is the second so in Ois hey the Rebbe says but also according to the second shot it's also difficult first of all this is a it's squeezed to say Talking about the eternal house, the Beis Hamikdash, which is kavua, something which is permanent, Yikare Bekosuv B'Shem Oihel, should be called in the verse by saying Matoivu Oihel Lecha, calling it an oil, which is an arai, which is a temporary. So, since Oihel Lecha, according to the uh, second pshat, Pirush means also the Beis Elamim. That's not a fitting description for Beis Elam Shver. Difficult. That's Doichik. And number two, the Rebbe is going to explain that we, in our Pasik, since Oyeholecha must mean Shiloi, because Shiloi is called an oil, we're including also the Beis Elamim. Uh, and Mishkanesecha is the Churban of these, uh, at least Shiloi. Um, the Rebbe elsewhere explained that Shiloi is hard to call it a mashkin, uh, this collateral, because a collateral is something that you give back as is, and since the uh, Mishkan Shiloi was not given back as is, there was a Beisei Lomim. The first, the second Beisei Migdosh was given back the same, it's a structure, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. But oil is hard to say that it is a mashkin. That's the very reason why we have another difficulty that we're translating mishkanisecha that it should be going a mashkin also on the shiloi. Let's look inside. Base. Misbayer. This is already in, uh, explained in uh, in Lekutisiches in Chelikudalif. So over there is explained the biura pirush Rashi. When we explained the Rashi that I mentioned earlier in the beginning of Pikudei, so over there it was explained the issue. Um, the Torah says there Mishkan Mishkan, the Nismashkin Bishnei Mishkonis, the Beis Hamikdash was two times destroyed. 
שהפעם, שהטעם לא מעין רש"י מפרש שם שהמשכון מישכון קוי על מישכון שילוי ועל בייס המקדוש. Why does רש"י not explain that the two times מישכון, the משכון, goes on מישכון שילוי ובייס המקדוש? But rather רש"י explains כי אם על בייס המקדוש יש. רש"י explains that the first בייס המקדוש and the second בייס המקדוש. So the Rebbe explained over there in the Sicha לפי שעל מישכון שילוי לא יתוכן על לושן משכון. The Mishkan Shiloh, the language of Mashkin, does not apply. Why? Because Mashkin Udover Hanitl Mahaloive Ba'ifen Aray. The Mashkin is an item which is taken from the borrower temporarily until he pays back the debt, then he gets his back. But Uzmani Achif Rachoiv until he pays the debt. Shows Chayzer Mashkin Lebolov. So then the collateral goes back to its owner, goes back to the a one who had to borrow. That they got it back, we can only apply this to the two Beis Amigdash. When there was the second Beis Amigdash, the second one, the first one was returned. Now, even though, although the second and the first are not exactly similar in all details, but yet, they're equal in their main points. They're both biased. So that's why over there the Mishkan, Mishkan goes into Since it's only a temporary. How could we say that Shemishkan is Our Rashi to say that Mishkan Eisecha, this is the problem, the second Pshat, here we're saying it includes Shiloi, because that is also Mashkan. I mean, that's the reason we didn't want to use it over there in Mishkan, Mishkan, uh, because it's not really a Mashkan, but here we're saying it is a Mashkan. And here you can't get away by saying it's talking about the two Beis Hamikdash, because over here it's going on oil, and oil must include Shiloh, because the only one that was an oil. Because according to the second pshat, the Mishkanesach is oil lecha, the only thing is, it's the same. It's oil lecha, Mishkanesach, but this is when they were destroyed. So in this Mishkan, in this Mashkan, has to be included Mishkan Shiloh. But as opposed to Pashat Pekudah, because of this problem that a Shiloh is not a Mashkin, doesn't go on Shiloh. So, therefore, Rashi's problem that Mishkin Yisecha should refer to Shiloh is a difficulty in the second interpretation. That's why Rashi is forced to also bring down to explain the first interpretation. And the contrary. The first one is closer to the simple meaning of the Pasuk. That's why it's the first one, it's the main one. Because the problem, according to the first interpretation, the problem we have is the order of the Pasuk why is it written after the prophecy when it should have been written in the beginning? To explain to us why he changed his mind. And on this, it's not such a trouble 
puzzling question because you can say turned around the Pasik and expound it, which means Rashi said that many times. So it's out of order, it's not such a problem. But according to this second Rashi, but if here we have a problem, how could we have that as a mashkin? And how do we have the base of called Oyom? So in any way, the Rebbe concludes now the lesson from this Rashi. What is the instruction, the lesson we can take from the above-mentioned Rashi? From Rashi's, uh, the contents of Rashi's explanation, we see how great the matter of Tznias is. That even this part, that their doors are not directed one opposite the other. That's not such a main matter in modesty, in sneers. What is the goal? Not to peek into the friend's tent. But even such a small thing, has in its power to impact. Even the evil Bilam. Now, because of that, it goes up to his heart. He doesn't want to curse them. Until he blesses them, as the post says, as the blessings that uh, Bilam gave them. So, what is the lesson? A person shouldn't say when it comes to a big and principled matter in modesty, gains similar to the one shakol shevet v'shevet shechin la'atzmoi ve'inan murav that every tribe and tribe was resting by themselves and they weren't mixed. Then he'll be careful in that. Avol b'prat kal b'yoser, but when you have a uh, detail which is much much lighter, not such an important so it's not absolutely necessary to be so particular though we can't say this a person needs to know that even this detail is a main principle to the extent that it has in its power to turn around the entire Unwanted matter, not good. from one extreme to the other extreme. But still, there is room for the yetsir and kolesh to try to persuade you. When is this uh, important? That even something small. When this is a set kind of a conduct. But if we're talking about just a temporary conduct. So it's not mandatory to be so particular, so much in modesty, and in light matters, just as in stringent matters. So here, in this also comes the lesson. He saw they, uh, their entrances that uh, are not directed one to each other. Also, while they were in their tents, in the tents, even in a temporary oil, it's important, the careful and this modesty. And on the other hand, when you're careful, 
then this conduct is in a way Yisrael. How good are your tents, Yaakov Mishkan Yisrael? Hashem will turn around the Kapitish Rashi. The Pasuk has some as Rashi says closely. The next Pasuk, how you believe by that he wanted to curse them, and when he turned it around, he blessed them. The Mishkan to the promise of the good Mishkan completely, that Hashem will return the Mashkin, the internal house. The Mashkin points. Even to the time of destruction, it still existed. When the atonement will be completed, it will be sent and be revealed. And forever and ever, ever. The Rebbe in a Ha'ore in 34, in bold, big letters, brings down that here is also the place to emphasize something which is timely. that there is those that are lenient in many aspects of tzniyas, of modesty, during the summer, especially when they find themselves in temporary dwellings outside of the cities. And from them, there are people that say, I will sin, and then when I get back, I will, back to the city, I'll get back to my standards. And this is something which is important for men also, especially for women, because each one of them is called Akedas Habayis, the mainstay of the house. And the Rebbe said, Yesh Laharich, we can long, now is not the place to prolong. This is Mesichas Shabbos Parshish Bolok Tovshin Lamet.